Get that water out of the goddamn huddle. I'll tell you when you get a fucking water break. Welcome to the Buccaneers Observer Podcast. This is Ralph Phillips. I'm Molly Bay. Today is March 15th, 2020. 182 days until Buccaneers kickoff. Woohoo! We hope everyone is safe and healthy in their homes. Enjoying your quarantine. <laughs> yes, we have been enjoying ours. We've been housebound for almost a week now. No, it hasn't been that long. It, is for it me. just feels that long. <laughs> <laughs> All right, got a lot of news to cover today. A lot of big things have happened. First and foremost, get our fact check and follow ups out of the way. Uh, fact check Alex Mack is the center for the Atlanta Falcons. Not an ex player, like I said when we talked about him as the new treasurer of the NFLPA. I thought that, but then I was like, oh, maybe there's two Alex Macks. Apparently not. Yeah, I wasn't thinking straight when I said that. So, got that out of the way. All right. <laughs> oh, I have one little piece of news Buccaneers news. Chris Godwin got engaged to his girlfriend, Mariah Del Persia. That's per Greg Allman. And her father was apparently his high school coach. Oh, wow. So congratulations to Chris and Mariah. Congratulations. Wedded bliss coming up. Why did you say it like that? Because <laughs> we all know marriage is awesome. All right. Uh, Saturday night at midnight, the new CBA deal was passed. I cannot believe it. It really surprises me. It was an extremely close vote, 1,019 to 959. There was a 60-vote difference, 52% to 48%. So what we got with this new CBA is, for one, uh, only one tag is allowed now, with the transition or franchise tag. Uh, 17-game regular season starting as early as 2021. Now, some people say that this year we could see the 17-game season, so we're not quite sure about that, how it's going to play out. How would that even work, though? We already know who our opponents are, so how are they going to pick that extra game? Yeah, it'll probably be next year they start the 17 games. I don't know. Uh, Three preseason games instead of four. Increase in the player's revenue share from 47% to 48.5%. Well, the 48.5% is an option in 2021. Or no, after that. If the season increases to 17 games by then, that's when the 48.5% will kick in. Okay. But otherwise, it's 47% in 2020 and then increasing to at least 48% in 2021, maybe 485 All righty. Uh, we got the narrowing window for drug testing from four months to just two weeks at the start of training camp and reducing the number of players who are subjected to testing. That's always been a real contentious issue because it seemed like the random drug tests weren't necessarily that random. They happened to... I don't want to say target, but involve controversial figures in the league, Richard Sherman, Eric Reed. So that was a criticism from the players. Plus, they have the reduced penalties for positive marijuana tests, like we've talked about here on the podcast. The first two infractions will receive no penalties. The third one will just be a fine for half a game check, and then it increases from there. Players will not be suspended for testing positive for marijuana anymore unless they uh, either refuse the test or uh, get busted, I think it's seven times, something of that nature. I was thinking about this after we did the CTE podcast because 
in Brainwash, they talk about how CBD is very useful. It's mm. an anti-inflammatory. Right. And perhaps the NFL should... Uh, well, I don't think that they made this argument, but perhaps the NFL should start using CBD as a anti-inflammatory rather than all these addictive opioids. That'd be smart. You would think so. Uh, they've expanded the roster size from 53 players to 55. One of those uh, expanded spots has to be in for an offensive lineman, as we talked about on the podcast earlier. Yeah, this is crazy. So the roster limit is still... 53 players, but then two players from the practice squad can be brought up to increase the roster size to 55 on game day. And those two additional players revert back to the practice squad after game day. They also increase the size of the practice squad from 10 to 12. Carmen Vitale has a really good article on Buccaneers.com. Interesting. And active game day rosters also go from 46 to 48 and that's the ones that one of them have to be an offensive lineman. Okay. And last but not least, the playoff field expands from six teams per conference to seven. Only the top seed in each conference earns a bye week. That's interesting that they're only doing one team gets a bye. You would think that it would be more. Maybe they'd have another. Give one extra yeah, team. Yeah, you know, you're adding more teams, but then you take away one bye. Yeah. But that makes the bye so much more important, and I think we'll see much more competitive games right. in November, December. So I like that change. I do, too. That's some Buccaneers news. Uh, we got Jameis has put up another video showing his rehab and talking about how 14 years earlier he had met Drew Brees in that same facility when Drew Brees was rehabbing, going between the Chargers to the Saints uh, Jameis Winston talked about how he got his autograph. It was a, he was the first person to get Drew Brees' autograph while he was a saint. And he kept making the comparison to that's when Drew Brees made his big transformation and Jameis Winston plans on doing the same thing. Interesting. So is that is he more talking about the rehab part of that or the signing with a new team that didn't really believe in you? Right. <laughs> like, what message is he trying to send there? I guess it could really go either way, depending on how it plays out. Uh, the Buccaneers have announced they signed tight end Tanner Hudson to a one-year deal. Hudson, who is 25 years old, was set to become an exclusive rights-free agent. He appeared in nine games for Tampa Bay in 2019, making two receptions for 26 yards. He killed it in the preseason, but... In the regular season, didn't do quite as much. Hudson originally entered the league as a college free agent with the Buccaneers in 2018 before spending his rookie season on Tampa Bay's practice squad. I like that signing. I think that he's got a lot of room to grow, but I really see some good potential there. I liked him. I did too. Unfortunately, I think our tight ends as a unit really underperformed last year. So I hope that that's something that the team really focuses on in the offseason. Well, I think our coaching staff really underutilized them. They used them way too much in blocking. I mean, we had three really good tight ends, two elite tight ends. Pass catching tight ends. Yes, pass catching tight ends. And just did not use them effectively, I didn't think. Of course, if you listen to this podcast, I bitched about it enough. Uh, Jared McCoy's son is committed to the University of Oklahoma. Surprise, surprise. That's uh, Jared McCoy's alumni. Or he's an alumni at Oklahoma. So his son's going to be going there. It's so crazy to think Jared McCoy's got a son going into college. I know he had him quite young. I don't think that it's his biologically. I think it's a, a, a child of his wife that he's raised. 
Oh, as really? his son, yeah. You sure about that? I think Rick Stroud uh, mentioned okay. it before. Well, in either case, it makes me feel old. Yeah. <laughs> I know, you would not think that. Especially Gerald seems very young to me. I mean, he's my age, so maybe that's what it is. <laughs> You're an old cute. <laughs> The NFL's 2020 league year will start on time. The NFL sent out memos to teams that the schedule stands. Tags are due tomorrow at 11.59 a.m. Tampering begins one minute later at noon. And the league year starts Wednesday at 4 p.m. So that's when all the signings will start. Uh, we'll know there's rumors that the One Buck Place is frantically trying to get a contract done with Shaq Barrett. But if they don't, I'm pretty sure they're going to franchise him tomorrow. If nothing else, that'll give him more time to hammer out a contract. Uh, Barrett said he's he's fine with the franchise tag, but he would like more security, of course. But he he's fine with the franchise tag. It's a useful tool when you don't have a lot of time to reach a deal or your time has run out. Mm-hmm. It's useful to extend the yeah the time to kind of it. extend that negotiating period. It's like what they did with Grady Jarrett last year at the Falcons. Now, the CDC released guidelines after the NFL sent the memo out, and the guidelines saying that large events and mass gatherings of 50 people or more should be canceled or postponed for the next eight weeks. Now, this falls right during the NFL draft, the offseason programs for head coaches and returning coaches, and rookie camps. So it's going to be interesting to see how the NFL handles that. The CDC, this is just guidelines. It's not mandatory, of course, but the CDC did say that uh, this did not include businesses or business-related gatherings. Why shouldn't it? That's what I don't understand. What's the difference? I don't think viruses make that distinction. I don't think the virus cares. What do I know? Andy Slater, who was a talk show host, reported that the NFL has informed Vegas hotels and vendors that the draft will not take place there April 23rd through the 25th. But they haven't officially said it. That's just what his sources say. Well, from all indications, it's going to be without a crowd, and it might all be teleconferenced. You know, instead of players walking across the stage, shaking hands with... No, oh, that's unfortunate. That's kind of a big deal yeah, when big you're deal. drafted. Right. But, I would rather see them maybe postpone it a month. Yeah, yeah, you could do that, but then that would be right when uh, off-season programs start. Probably, but how much are the rookies really getting out of that. I mean, I think at that point in May that they're still kind of getting oriented with the team. And, yeah, you you lose a few weeks with them, but I don't think that it would be that detrimental. Right. And, you know, this is all written in pencil right now, you know, depending on how this coronavirus spreads and whatnot. I feel a little frantic today because I fully expected them to postpone the free agency and the deadlines, mm-hmm. yeah, and then too. they didn't. And so it's like, oh, wow, okay, we got to get this going. I know, we're like <laughs> scrambling here. We're like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> but I am really excited about free agency after I've done this preview. I, I am a little concerned in one area. We'll get to that. We've got 23 Total players up for free agency. That's not that bad. New Orleans has 24. I think we had similar numbers last year. So Dang, that's that's almost half our roster. Right. But you got to figure a lot of them are depth guys. So I'm just going to run off the names of the free agents quickly, and then we'll get into the meat of the podcast. So we've got Ndamukong Sue, Jameis Winston, Damar Dotson, Bo Allen, Shaquille Barrett, 
Rashad Perryman, Jason Pierre-Paul, Peyton Barber, Blaine Gabbert, Darian Stewart, Sam Acho, Carl Nassib, Rakeem Nunez-Rochez, Kevin Minter, Earl Wadford, Josh Wells, Ryan Smith, Andrew Adams, Gerald Hawkins, Michael Lidke, Anthony Auclair, Orion Stewart, and Bryant Mitchell. So, a lot of depth guys. Yeah, there. yeah, really. A lot of guys. Yes, yeah, so it just seemed like the top five or so. Go back to the, yeah, Sue, Winston, Dotson, Bo Allen, Shaq Barrett, Brashard Perriman, JPP, and Peyton Barber are really the, are the big starters, ones. starters, yeah. yeah. Now let's run through the numbers. With the CBA, the cap increased to one hundred and ninety-eight million two hundred thousand. Okay, so that, that that doesn't include the bump from forty-seven percent to forty-eight and a half percent, right? No, that's, that's just, like a revenue share thing. That doesn't have anything to do with the cap. Really, I thought it would increase the cap space. No. Okay. We had eleven million that rolled over from last year, so our total available is two hundred nine million eight hundred nineteen thousand seven hundred and sixty. Now the top fifty on the roster are the ones that determine how much cap you've used. Top fifty one, not fifty. So that for us is one hundred twenty five million. Then spot rack is allocating about seven million for our draft signings and then we've got eighty eight thousand in dead cap man that's nothing yeah so we have uh, jason the buccaneers organization and jason light are really good with the dead cap money we Fantastic never, with dead never cap, have right? a lot yeah. so the top 51 we've got about 76 million to sign our top 51 Total, we've got about eighty-four million. So that's kind of the number you're going to hear thrown around. But that's for everybody on the team. And then the seventy-six million accounts for the seven million we're going to have to use to sign our draft pick. So seventy-six million to play with. And we're actually top five in the league this year for cap space. Nice. So Last that's year we good. were we were barely under the wire. Exactly. And I just did a quick look at some of our division opponents and I think New Orleans had the second most and they only have 11 million. So everybody else in the division has 11 million or less in cap space. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. I can't wait to get to that. (laughs) We'll probably do that one next podcast and go through all the know your enemies. So I want to go through, I kind of divided all of our free agents into tiers So our top free agents that we have to sign, the mid-tier guys that are probably expendable, but we would like to get back. Okay. But they may be cap casualties, and then the guys who definitely are going to be cap casualties. All right. So, of course, number one on the list is Shaquille Barrett. Rick Stroud actually tweeted a few minutes ago that the Bucks plan to use the franchise tag on Shaq because they haven't gotten a deal done yet. So you were pretty spot on with that. His market value, according to SpotRack, is $15.7 million, with a contract valued at $63 million. This surprises me. It seems a little low to me. I've also heard numbers thrown around, like a million, a sack is what we could expect, so $19.5 million. He's the fourth-ranked outside linebacker by SpotRack. Now, here's fourth ranked. Yeah, <laughs> I know who who is who they have three places. Ahead of I them. don't know. Oh so 
as far as contracts goes, here are the top five paid outside linebackers in the league. Number one is Khalil Mack. His average salary is $23.5 million. Vaughn Miller comes in second at $19 million. Chandler Jones is third at $16.5 million. Zadarius Smith is at $16.5 million. And then Shaq Thompson is $13.6 million. So I think somewhere in there is pretty reasonable. Between $13 million and $23.5 million, I would say it's probably closer to that upper than the lower. Yeah, $17, $18 million. I wanted to look back through all the sack leaders in the last, I don't know, like 10 years and see if any of them had gotten a big contract after they were the sack leader that year. And And surprisingly, most of the guys signed their contracts, then a year or two later were the sack leaders. But there was one guy who became the sack leader and then signed a big fat contract after it, and that was Justin Houston in 2014. The Chiefs placed a non-exclusive franchise tag on him, which would have had him making 13 million that year, and then they reached a three or a six-year deal worth 101 million, 52 and a half million guaranteed. And the 20 million dollar signing bonus was spread out in the first two years of the contract. Now, this is how he performed after he signed this big fat contract. Uh oh. <laughs> so in 2015, he only played 11 games. He got 13 million, and he was 27th overall for sacks. So, mm, a big drop. Yeah, he went from first to 27th, but he only played 11 games because of injury. So then, the second year of his contract, he made 23 and a half million, which is huge. But he was 80th for sacks. He only played five games due to injury oh that my year. Gosh. Yeah. Then in year three, he made 16 and a half million. He was 19th overall for sacks. Year four of his contract, he made 14 million. He was 24th for sacks. And then year five, he went to the Colts and was 13th for sacks. Hmm. So I just found that interesting. I don't think it is indicative of what's going to happen with Shaq, but. It was just interesting to see how that played out. Yeah, it, it's kind of scary because you never know if a guy's a flash in the pan or not. I do not believe Shaq Barrett is. Watching him on tape, yeah, I don't. He's think so really, either. really good. He's got a lot of tools in his toolkit. I think that we can expect more teams to focus on him because he's been in the limelight. You have some tape on him, so I think he'll see a little more opposition than he did this year because he caught people by surprise. We'll see. It's going to be interesting. But hopefully I think we have a elite edge rusher for a long time to come. After looking at the, his market value and comparable salaries and everything like that, I think that we can expect a contract in the range of 17 to $19 million. Okay. That would be my guess. Okay. Sounds fair. Maybe $18 million. What do you think? Yeah. Sounds good to me. Okay. Now let's move on to Ndamukong Sue. He made 19... I mean, I'm sorry, not 19, 9.25 million last year. He had the seventh highest 2019 salary of all the free agent defensive linemen. He was tricky to gauge, and so is JPP later because SpotRack has them listed. They've got both of them listed as defensive ends, but I mean, JPP is a defensive end. Yes. But Sue's. That- Sue's more of a defensive tackle. Defensive tackle. So for defense, for Sue's. I just looked at all the free agent defensive linemen, okay. not necessarily just the defensive tackles, because they've got him listed as 
an end, and I suspect other defensive tackles in similar positions are probably listed the same way. Mm-hmm. In any case, he had the seventh highest 2019 salary of all the defensive linemen up for free agency this year. So the range is Jadavian Clowney was top. He made $15 million. Everson Griffin with Minnesota made $14.5 million. Linval Joseph of Minnesota made $12.58 million. Damon Harrison of Detroit made $11.25 million. Michael Brockers of the Rams made $11 million. And Don Terry Poe of Carolina made $9.33 million. Now, I have him listed as a free agent, but the club has an option for him this year, so they could pick up another year on his contract. Sue is 33 years old, which makes him the fifth oldest free agent defensive lineman. And as far as his age bracket, here's where their salaries fall. Defensive end Cameron Wake is age 38. He's with Tennessee and made $7.667 million last year. Defensive tackle Brandon Mebane. Mebane? Mebane. <laughs> Mebane. <laughs> Age 35 with the Chargers made $5.275 million last year. Defensive tackle Damana Pico with Baltimore is 35. He made a million last year. And defensive end Michael Bennett, age 34 with Dallas, made $8.375 million last year. Well, that's pretty good. Yeah, so that range yeah. is, you know, I would expect him to be at the higher end of that mm-hmm. this year. So he made $9 million last year. Michael Bennett made $8 million. Cameron Wake made $7 million. So I think in that price range is kind of where we're looking okay yeah so you know do we he could do nine million again maybe. yeah yeah, yeah that, that was kind of what I was thinking would be reasonable for him I had nine million as the high range yes. maybe seven million on the low end okay how about seven million with incentives yeah out. I would love that and I think that's pretty reasonable and I think that's something that is reasonable on Sue's side, it's something that he could definitely accomplish. And that's if Sue wants to come back. We don't know. We haven't heard anything one way or another. Uh, you know, he might go out and headhunt, see if he can get a better deal somewhere else. We don't know. He might. You know. And, you know, he that was a criticism of him last year when we signed him. Mercenary. That, yeah, that he's kind of a mercenary. But I think that he had really good chemistry with Vea mm-hmm. and the rest of the team. So I would like to think that he wants to be a Buccaneer next season. And the market for defensive linemen is pretty big. Now, granted, with his skill set, there's probably not a whole lot available. But overall, there's 25 in free agency. So I think it might be a situation like last year where he's still sitting in May with no job if we don't sign him. JPP was another tricky one. Because, again, he's more of a defensive end, but he's listed as an outside linebacker. He's listed as an outside linebacker on the Buccaneers' website, too. But it's finding those comparable players that play a similar position, regardless of their designation. So his salary in 2019 was $3 million. Wow, that was cheap. Yeah. But he had, in total, it was $7.75 million with incentives and bonuses. So he, he hmm. made that up. And remember, wasn't he supposed to make like $14 million last year before yeah, he got in like the that. car accident? And that was kind of a big deal during free agency because we had no money. Yes. And then he got put on the non-football injury list. 
Right. And so it kind of changed his salary. And then they reworked his salary to a one-year deal. Exactly. Where he hits free agency. So that's where we are now. He's age 31, kind of in the same boat as Sue. He's up there. The average salary of defensive ends, age 30-plus, is $5.8 million. Hmm. The high is Everson Griffin with Minnesota at $14.5 million. The low is Rashid Hagman with Atlanta at $735,000, so league minimum, basically. Now, for outside linebackers, which I really don't think this is him on SpotRack's website because it has people listed like Levante David, so I don't even know that this is comparable, but the average salary of outside linebackers age 30-plus is $2.57 million. <laughs> And that's, again, why I don't think that it's necessarily comparable to JPP. No, you'd have to compare him to defensive ends. I think so, too. And when you look at the defensive ends, last year, all the free agent defensive ends available, he was third overall for sacks. And he only played 10 games. Wow. Yeah, so that's kind of a big deal. All the other, I think Cameron Wake was up there, but he played 13 games. So he had three games on JPP Hmm. and only, like, one more sack, maybe. So, overall, I think I would predict him to make $8 million, $9 million maybe. Okay. So. Seems a little high, but. You think so? Yeah. I just think that for the caliber player that he is, I don't think that he's going to hang around for less money. Uh-huh. I think he feels like his val- he might get more value out in free agency. Okay. So, if we spend $18 million on Shaq. We spend nine million on Sue and nine million on JPP. The, this is the high end, at most. We would have about forty million left. Hmm. So that brings me to the quarterback situation. The, those are the three free agents that I think are we absolutely have to get these guys back. We've got to make it a priority. And then quarterback comes next. So let's talk. This is not in order of preference, although maybe it is. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Brady, his market value per spot rack is $33 million. He only made $23 million last year. It was a one-year deal with New England. The comparables on spot rack's website are Jared Goff. Boo. I know. Who, age 20. I don't, I don't know that this one's a great one. I think it's, he's age 24, which is a huge difference with Tom Brady. He got a four-year, $134 million deal with an average salary of $33.5 million. Yeah. I know. Totally overpaid on that one. Russell Wilson, age 30, four-year deal worth $140 million, an average salary of $35 million. Yeah. But I think the age is just such a discrepancy there. Oh, yes. And I think between the two, I'd rather have Tom Brady than Russell Wilson all day. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers signed his deal at age 34. It was a four-year, $134 million deal with an average salary of $33.5 million. And then this is probably the best indicator. Ben Roethlisberger signed a two-year deal at the age of 37 worth $68 million and an average salary of $34 million. Mm. So... If we sign Tom Brady at his market value of $33 million, that leaves us with $7 million in cap space for everybody else. For the other... Oh, we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> for the other 2019 players that we're missing. 
that are up for free agency. Yeah. Now, today, the Tennessee Titans signed Ryan Tannehill to a four-year extension. So they are totally out of the running for Tom Brady. Yeah, Phil Simms uh, claimed that Brady will either sign with the Bucks or remain with the Patriots. He said the 49ers are out of the running. They're going to stick with Garoppolo. And he said that Brady does not want to go to the Raiders. And the other team is the Chargers for some reason. They're not in it either, according to Chris Sims. So, was it Chris Sims or Phil Sims? I think it was Chris Sims. I don't know if he had an inside source that was telling him this or whatever, but he said the Bucks. it's either going to be the Bucks or the Patriots. And I wonder what it's going to depend on. The money? Is it the money? Don't I don't feel like I it's don't the know. money. Right. You don't know what Brady's... He's never been about the money. He has restructured his contract, I don't know how many times, mm-hmm. to make sure that they had enough money to pay the other players. He doesn't take these exorbitant salaries. Like last year, he's only making $23 million. Right. Well, maybe he, now he wants to make the big salaries. Don't know. Maybe he wants to go out being the, the highest paid quarterback in the league. I just Do don't know. think he cares about the money. I don't think so either. But that's just us speculating. It is. Now, Tannehill, his extension including included $62 million in guaranteed money, $29.5 million in average salary, a $20 million signing bonus. So that totaled to $118 million over four years. Good Lord. His base salary in 2020 is $17.5 million. And then in 2021, it's $24.5 million. So that's actually pretty reasonable, although I think the signing bonus will factor into that also his cap hit. Man, you know, that, I think they overpaid there, but... Maybe, but I mean, seventeen and a half million—that's pretty reasonable. I guess it just depends on how the signing bonus factors. Oh, that into was his—I I was seeing it. I was looking at his average salary at yeah, thirty that, million. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But that includes. Oh yeah, seventeen and a half million—that's great for twenty twenty. Right. What was the guaranteed sixty-two million? Yeah. Over how many years? Four. Oh, okay. That's not bad at all. Then. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Okay. And I think that he earned it. I think he played. Very well. Well, look at the Tennessee Titans season. I mean, they started off with Mariota. They were second. Tannehill comes in, lights it up, takes them to the playoffs, to the championship, right? Yeah. So, good for him. I mean, he turned that team around. Yeah, when he came in, the team turned around, that's for sure. I don't know if he was the cause, but it seemed like it. Watching him play, though, I was just like, ugh, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Mariota sucked, but, you know, Tannehill wasn't anything special, I didn't think. He had something. I don't know what it was. All right. Let's move on to Jameis. 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 Famous Jameis. I shouldn't have said it like that. I said it really. How'd you say it? Jameis. What'd you say? Like Jameis. Jameis. Come on, Jameis. His market value per spot rack is $26.7 million. So that's a $6 million difference. If we pay him, that will leave us with about $13 million for everybody else. So, a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big big difference. Now, the comparables are Jared Goff, which we talked about earlier. Carson Wentz, which I think this is a really reasonable comparison. He signed his contract at 26. He got a four-year, $128 million deal with an average salary of $32 million. I think that is vastly overpaying for Carson mm, Wentz. Yeah. The next is Kirk Cousins, who signed his contract at the age of 29. It was a three-year, $84 million deal with an average salary of $28 million. 
And then Derek Carr, who signed at the age of 26 to a five-year, $125 million deal that carried an average salary of $25 million. Hmm. So you can see where he ranks in those comparables. Hmm. I think those are reasonable comparisons. I think the contracts are a little overpriced, but the market is what the market is. With Rick Stroud reporting that the Bucks will use the franchise tag on Winston, that means that Jameis is going to enter the three-day legal tampering period. Wait a minute. They're saying he's, they're not going to use the franchise tag, or they are? They are. They're going to use it on Shaq. So, oh, okay. So okay, they yeah. can't use it on Jameis. You scared me there for a second. I was like, what? Yeah, they're not using it on Jameis. So he's going to, at the very least, be able to talk to other teams. Oh, for the tampering period. Yeah, yes. okay. Gotcha, gotcha. So, the start of this week is going to be very interesting. Very interesting. Some other names have been thrown around for potential Tampa Bay quarterbacks include Teddy Bridgewater, whose spot rack is reporting has a market value of $21.5 million, which would be very team-friendly. Now, Phil Sims, who's the father of Chris Sims, uh, ex-Buccaneer quarterback Chris Sims, uh, he brought up an interesting idea on an NBC Sports podcast that he was on with Chris Sims. He says the Bucks might be able to sign Teddy Bridgewater and Jameis Winston and have them battle it out. You know, since we had the quarterback competition between Ryan Fitzpatrick and Jameis Winston, I am not a fan of that strategy. No, it just makes it too... Your fan base and your team becomes too divisive. And you have your starter always looking over their shoulder. Right, which is what Bruce Arians wanted to avoid last year. And that's why he let Ryan Fitzpatrick walk. Right. Which I agree was a wise move. So I'm not really a fan of that going forward. If you weren't going to use it last year during a contract year when Jameis had everything to lose, why would you sign him to a contract, bring in another quarterback that you're going to sign to a contract? I mean, Teddy Bridgewater could get a starting job. Why is he going to sign for anything less than that? And you know what they could do? is put the transition tag on Jameis Winston so he can test free agency and we can see if there's a team out there that wants to pay him big money. Right, but then you can't franchise Shaq. Oh, that's right. We're going to franchise Yeah, Shaq. we yeah, lost. I forgot about that. Ah. We lost that card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Okay, well, hey, we might be without a quarterback We might be without a, a quarterback. So, Teddy Bridgewater. Ryan Griffin, come on, step it up. <laughs> he could. I mean, I don't know. I want to see him play the game. You know, just, yeah, I, mean, I the like guys him. Been, I know the guy has been collecting a check for, what, seven years now or something That's the way crazy. to do it, man. <laughs> I know. He's a no risk to his body. Teddy Bridgewater's market value was determined by comparing him to Jimmy Garoppolo, who signed a contract at 26 to a five-year, $137.5 million deal with an average salary of $27.5 million. Derek Carr signed his deal at 26, five-year, $125 million with an average of $25 million. And then Nick Foles, who was 30 when he signed his four-year, $88 million deal with an average salary of $22 million. And then Jacoby Brissett, who signed a two-year, $30 million deal with an average salary of $15 million. So the other, four, the other three in this comparison earned $27.5 million, $25, and then $22 million. So that Jacoby Brissett earning $15 million average a year really brings Teddy Bridgewater's number down. Hmm. And I don't think that that's a fair comparison. 
Because I think Teddy Bridgewater, he's more experienced. Oh, yeah, percent. Yeah. He, was, he was not very good. I didn't yeah, know. I didn't think so either. So I don't know that that's right. And I think that Jacoby is kind of bringing Teddy's value down. In any case, we signed Teddy Bridgewater for $21.5 million. That would leave us with $18.5 million to sign our other guys. So that would leave us with even more wiggle room than Jameis. And then lastly, we've got Philip Rivers with a market value of $24.3 million compared to all the old guys in the league. Ben Roethlisberger, who again signed at 37 to a two-year $68 million deal with an average salary of $34 million. Drew Brees, who signed at the age of 39 to a two-year $50 million deal with an average salary of $25 million. Tom Brady with his one-year $23 million deal. And then Alex Smith, who signed at the age of 33 a four-year $94 million deal with an average salary of $23.5 million. So if we sign Phillip to a $24 million deal, that would leave us with $15.7 million. So what we do at quarterback is going to have really big implications for this next tier of free agents that we need to sign. So these are guys that I picked out that I think we should re-sign. They're important to the team. They're more depth guys, but they're important nonetheless. So these are some of the guys that are, are going to be cap casualties. Absolutely no question. We can't sign all of them. At the top of the list, who I would love to bring back more than anybody else is Carl Nassib. He only made 899000 last year, which is an absolute steal, although he was there primarily for depth. But I think that he was an important part of that line. I compared him to other outside linebackers around his age, and I think that we could anticipate a contract of around 2 to $3 million. Yeah. I mean, if we could get him for a million, you know, sign him for a couple of years, three, four years, I would love that. Mm-hmm. Damar Dotson made $5.5 million last year. I don't know if he's even going to want to come back. I mean, he might retire. He might. We might end up going with Josh Wells or uh, you drafting somebody and starting him as a rookie. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a real possibility. In either case, we need to get some depth there because even if Damar comes back this year, he's not a long-term guy. He's not going to be there much longer. I would say this probably is last year. He's 34, 35. That's old in football years, unless you're a quarterback. That's old in human years, too. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm talking about you're old. How old are you? <laughs> hey, I've been living with the fact that I'm old for over 40 <laughs> years now, so about time for you to start. I would guess for DeMar Dotson, we'd pay him $2 million. You think he would five? come back for $2 million? I don't know, man. Well, he ain't nobody well, else going to sign Yeah, him. no one else is going to pay him. So you want to come back, you play for $2 million. Yeah. Hmm. That's going to be an interesting one. Or retire. One. Bo Allen, he made $5 million last year. My guess is that he'd want something similar. Yeah. He did take a pay cut a couple of years ago to come back. Yeah. Or last, last year. Last year. It was last year. Which I love. And I would mm. love to be able to keep him just for that, that kind of loyalty to the team. Yeah. But $5 million for his snap count, that's, that's too much. You think so? I think so. Yeah, and he might want to go somewhere else where he's going to get more playing time. 
Well, he's never been a full-time starter, you know, a big snap count guy. Not at the Eagles either. No, uh uh-uh. So why the hell did we pay him so much to come here? Because he won the Super Bowl with the Eagles. (laughs) (laughs) Brashad Perriman made $4 million last year. What do you think he's going to want? I have no idea. Too much? Yeah, I think so too. I mean, we paid him $4 million last year. With how he played at the end of the season, my guess is he'd want $7 million. No way we're paying him. Yeah, I don't think we're paying. I don't think he's coming back. I don't either. There's too many teams that are going to want him. Although this draft class is heavy with wide receivers. Oh, it is? What I hear. I don't know. (laughs) I'm just, I just pulled that out of my butt, actually. I do like Perriman, but I think he's expendable. Yeah. Well, yeah, when you've got Godwin and Evans, everybody's expendable. And the other guys, these mid tier guys, Carl Nassib, I think is more important to the team. I think. Yeah, especially for the price. Yeah. I think Nacho, he's next. He made 895000 last year. I think he needs to come back. Yes. Yeah. So, and then Ryan Smith is up for free agency. He only made 733000 last year. So, it sounds like league minimum or close to it for that position. Hmm. He didn't get much playing time, and we don't really need him for the secondary, but he's our special teams ace. I think we really... Yeah, need to get him back for that, yeah. if nothing else. Agreed. And especially, can you see him under Keith Tandy? Oh. He's like mentoring him and coaching, and yeah. I just love it. I just, I really awesome. want him to come back. And then we've got Anthony Auclair, who I'm not really a big fan of. I think that they really like him for blocking, not so much for the holding. So I think <laughs> that they, I he's a restricted free agent. So we basically have the right of first refu- refusal. Hmm. And he made 561000 last year, so basically league minimum. Yeah, of that list, uh, Nacho and Nassib are really the only ones I would say, hey, we need, to, we need to bring them back. I think so, too. Everybody else is expendable. I would like to have Bo back. Yeah, and Ryan Smith. And Ryan Smith. But if they don't come back, it's, it's not going to hurt us that bad. Right. And you understand it. Yeah. You know, they're a cap casualty. Yeah. And then the guys who I think have little chance of coming back. Peyton Barber. Yeah, he's not going to be back. With the way that he ran last year, and then BA's made some comments about the running back core. And did not, and mention, did not mention Peyton. Yeah. So I well, think the writing's ba- on the wall. He basically got replaced by Rojo so, yeah. last year. Yeah, so I think he's done. Blaine Gabber, I'm not sure about. That's really going to depend on what they do at quarterback. Right. Whether they keep Jameis. If they bring in Tom Brady, I could see us drafting someone to develop underneath of Tom Brady, mm. which I would love. That's a really cool thing. Yeah, Ryan Griffin. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of like with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Like, Aaron Rodgers played under Brett Favre for, for years, years mm. and just learned. And I don't think that we would have Tom Brady that long, but it would be enough, I think, to mentor somebody else. And look at the quarterbacks who have come out in the league that have played behind Tom Brady and Brock Osweiler. Garoppolo. Uh, Garoppolo, who's got a starting job. So yeah. And then we've got Darian Stewart, who was good depth. I liked him. Yeah, but and, our, and safety is kind of a... An issue we're dealing with. It's a little yeah. thin for me, but... Yeah, I would agree with that. So maybe he's someone we could sign for league minimum. We've got all of our starters, our young rookies, who played really well. But again, for the depths, I think is important. Sam Acho at outside linebacker. Kevin Minter at inside linebacker. 
Earl Wadford. I liked Earl. Yeah, he did all right. Yeah. Josh Wells at right tackle. Andrew Adams. Gerald Hawkins. Oh, Andrew Adams. Triple A. I know, but, you know, he didn't do a whole lot once he came back. And, well, again, we have starters. He didn't screw up. So, yeah, that's but a plus. he had that one game in 2018 with the three interceptions, <laughs> and then it's like he peaked during that game. And that, that was more because Cam Newton couldn't throw the ball more than 15 exactly, yards. Exactly, the noodle arm. Then we've got Gerald Hawkins at tackle, Michael Lidke at guard, Orion Stewart at corner. He's an exclusive rights free agent, as is Bryant Mitchell at wide receiver. Hmm. So I think all these guys are probably going to be cap casualties. We'll see. Yeah, Blaine Gabbert's really dependent, like you said, if on who we sign as a quarterback. Wouldn't that be something if we made him the starter? There is no way. <laughs> no. Are you on drugs, Ralph? <laughs> no. Well, I was upset when we signed him because I've always Me too. Pissed, I've always thought Blaine Gabbert was just horrible. Yeah. Where was he first at a uh, Jacksonville? Jacksonville. Yeah. And then, I mean, he's been all over the place and sucked everywhere he went. But hey, BA had faith in him, so. Thank God he never had to go out there and play. We ended up getting hurt, right? Yeah. Uh, he was on the <laughs> IR immediately. <laughs> so he just collected his paycheck. So that's Buccaneers free agency. I think we're going to get a little more activity than we did last year. Hopefully it's good. I don't want to see a lot of bad, but I am concerned about these middle-tier free agents. I am not yeah, as much worried about our big guys that we want to sign because yeah. I think the Buccaneers are motivated to get that done. Yeah, we've got them covered. The The mid-tier guys, like you said, are all dependent on who we sign as a quarterback and how much we pay them. Yeah. You know, I mean, if we, if we sign Jameis Winston to a $30 million contract, and I just think that's outrageous. I do too. After looking at all the comparables and you're thinking twenty six, twenty seven million. I would be okay with low twenties. Low twenties. Twenty five at the most. Okay. Well, then that would be good because then we could bring back all of our mid tier guys. Yeah, I think so too. But if we get like Tom Brady at thirty three million, Ugh. yeah, we're not. We're only going to be able to bring back one or two mid tier guys. Right. So, how much do you want Tom Brady? Yeah, and there was. Uh, yeah. Is he worth Carl Nassib, DeMar Dotson, Bo Allen, Bershaw Perriman, Rakeem Nunez, Rochez, Ryan Smith, and Anthony Auclair? <laughs> yeah. Worth all those guys? Yeah. I, I think so, too. I, think so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just, you never know. I mean, just Tom Brady. Come on. It would oh, man, the it goat. be so crazy. But then again, at the same time, I don't want Tom Brady to come in here and take us to the Super Bowl and win it, because then it'll be the same thing that happened with John Gruden, where everybody gave John Gruden credit for us winning the Super Bowl. You know? If Tom Brady comes in here, takes us to the Super Bowl and wins, and everybody's going to say, oh, well, definitely it's Tom Brady. And nobody else on our team will get any credit for it. But then again, it would be a Super Bowl. It's so. a Super Bowl <laughs> ring. Shut your mouth. <laughs> like, what are you even talking about? <laughs> but there's no way. I mean, Jameis Winston is talking about a $30 million plus a He's year He's out of his mind. There's no way we're going to pay him that much. I mean, If I can pay Tom Brady $30 million or Jameis Winston $30 million, I'm paying Tom Brady. Yeah. Now, I like Jameis, and I would like to see him back. But not for $30 million. Not for $30 million. Not to lose... Yeah, not to lose all those guys. And when you look at the market, I absolutely 100% do not want to draft anybody, though. That's where I draw the line. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would draft and let them sit on the bench for a while. But a starter, no. Yeah, I don't want to go through that anymore. No. Interesting. Should be gearing up Wednesday. Wednesday is going to be 
Exciting. I know. Well, Monday, too, tomorrow morning, and we'll find out. Yeah. We're not going to do a podcast tomorrow, though, so we'll do a podcast Wednesday once all this stuff starts. Well, I got to do the Know Your Enemies. So. Nah, we, we, we're going to have so much information Wednesday. You, you can do that. We, we've got two weeks of being quarantined in this house, so <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure something out. But, hey, I wanted to remind everybody that... Uh, or not remind everybody, but tell everybody if you look at the, in the description of the podcast, there's a link there to send a voice message to us if you want to. Just press on the link and it'll take you and you can you can send us a voice message straight from your phone or wherever you're at, your computer, your laptop, whatever. Uh, give us a give us a voice message, you scallywags. We want to hear from you. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter at Bucks underscore Observer. You can email me at Molly Bay at BuccaneersObserver.com or Ralph at ralph at buccaneersobserver.com. I do that every time. <laughs> We're also on Facebook and YouTube. You can search for us on those two platforms. And that's going to wrap it up for us. Till next time. Go back.